0: And welcome, everybody, back to Eyes on the Mize. My name is John, and that's Ian.
1: Hey, what's going on, everybody?
0: How's it going, people? We had a few. We had some adventures in tech to start the podcast off, which is always exciting.
1: Echoes galore. We
0: Echo chambers. Um, Because we know how everybody loves those. And today (laughs) is November 2nd, and instead of watching Game 7 of the World Series, which we will know the the winner by tomorrow, not right now, um, but it is... Episode 36, and we're going to do a How to Build a Commander deck featuring Akiri.
1: Yeah, so we have the new commander decks coming out uh, next week on the 11th. And we figure just because the those decks got spoiled last Friday, why not do it a, a little like a, hey, take a commander from the new set, build around it, because her deck doesn't quite necessarily feature, you know... Not it's not like it,
0: it's a Brea deck. Let's be let's be fair. fair. It's com- just completely a Brea deck because Akira is in the non-green deck. And uh, one of the things that I've been looking forward to most with these two color commanders is trying to build specifically around them. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to do today. Uh, but first, we're going to turn our eyes to the community because, Ian, there were some big shakeups in one of the, I guess, quote, minor league? Magic <laughs> leagues?
1: I, don't, I mean, I guess you can kind of call it minor league, necessarily, but it's the uh, the SCG Tour for 2017. They made their play announcement, or yeah, whatever you want to call it, um, and it was not very well received from what I've seen on community-wise. People are Say not too happy. Yeah, not too happy. So, essentially, they're slimming down uh, what is coming in to basically the major changes legacy is getting a lot more support drop for it. And that seems to have a lot of players not happy. Uh, so it's kind of a summary of changes are there's no more players championship, but it's kind of like that doesn't explicitly announced, but it's basically implied due to the fact it's not mentioned. Um, there's no more legacy classic. So how it works is you go to the open and then running alongside that are uh, called classics. So it'll run like a standard modern and a legacy classic However, there's no more Legacy Classic event now, unless the Open itself is Legacy. There's going to be two Legacies, a Legacy Opens a year down from three, um, and there's going to be two Invitational's a year because it's going from a three-season kind of thing to a two-season, like kind of half a year situation. Uh, another thing they changed is the SCG State Championship events are no longer, uh, mainly due to the fact that they had each state had to have like a Per, like a, a store coordinating that event, and it just was too much of a thing for them to handle. So that's done. Uh, there's going to be team events, though. Uh, they're doing a team, uh, uh, what's it called?
0: It's Team Unified Standard, or were, were they doing Team Unified Modern?
1: Team Constructed. <laughs> Which is, there is, each member of the three-person team will be a standard, modern, or legacy player. So, Ooh, someone's going to have a standard deck, someone's going to have a modern, and someone's going to have a legacy deck. So, you don't even have to worry about, like, the upcoming uh, mo- unified modern thing where it's like, alright, we have a modern pull to build with. It's like, you get one of each format, go. Can I and... just have Tom
0: Ross on my legacy team? Or is the legacy part of my team, please?
1: <laughs> Tom Ross, legacy, in fact, go. <laughs> I mean, it's still a good deck, but I mean, there's so many other things coming up in legacy format that uh, are making some waves. But uh, And also, the IQs are gone, apparently, so now there's uh, only super IQs. Um, so that's a little less chance to get some points there for the SDG circuit. Basically, uh, and they have a kind of the points totals and stuff like that are kind of changing up now for the... Uh, at the conclusion of each 2017 season, the eight highest ranked players in their seasonal standings will also receive the following. So first place, they get four non-foil copies of each card in the next two Standard Legal Magic the Gathering set releases and a copy of each card in, in the next Masterpiece release series. So they basically get like, if you're first place in the seasonal standings, you just guarantee yourself like a full play set of cards for the next two sets. and It's like, don't have to worry about buying any cards. All right.
0: that's pretty good for a tour that's, Heavily focused, like exclusively focused on constructed play.
1: Yeah, and the second place is four cop, four non-foil copies of each card set. Basically, they just lose the masterpiece. Third and fourth place get two non-foil copies of each card. Fifth and eighth get one, like basically a just a set of the cards. So one non-foil copy of each card. In the next two sets. So there's a little bit of incentive there for some card stuff. But overall, um, people are kind of worried mainly because the the initial article itself was just a little kind of blurb about like hey here's some things going on and links to three different pages so it wasn't very concise or really clear you had to kind of compile all the information into one but somebody but part of it was that had people really kind of worried is there's a line a sentence says however we knew that if we were unable to accomplish the latter being improving programs and addressing issues with play offerings, and adapting external changes, there was a very real possibility we would have to discontinue the entire SCG Tour at the end of this year. Meaning, there was a chance that the SCG Tour, as we know it, would have been gone in 2017, which is huge.
0: Yeah, that's a big, big problem to have.
1: Yeah, because this is... um, They've already started pairing things back over the last couple years, because before they used to have like events all across the country, then they basically kind of like withdrew back east of the mississippi like there's no more like outside the state uh, outside of the state things which are no longer now there were no west coast tournaments like the farthest west they went was like dallas for S G G tournaments so now things are kind of getting pulled back even further i think they were saying like all the invitation like all the, uh, the invitationals and stuff like that are going to be like in roanoke now so they're not going to be like rotating around um I don't know. I, I unfortunately, like, I would love for there to be some sort of like sim, like, I've already I mentioned this, I'm pretty sure before, um, but I would love for there to be some something like the SCG Tour out on the West Coast. I don't know whether CFB could run it or some other thing like uh, Cascade Games, but if the SCG Tour is having some issues, like, the odds of us getting a comparative style event circuit out here are not looking very good. Um, it definitely limits the amount of competitive tournament play that players can do. Also of note too, is they're shrinking down to 10 events for the entire season. Yeah.
0: Which they used to have like seven or eight for their three season system. And now it's just 10 yeah. events for half a year.
1: Yeah. It's two in January, two in February, one in March, two in April, two in May, and one in June. So, well, oh, and there's one in Jan- in December too. So basically you don't have an SCG event. There's one in December, like this, the first weekend of December, And then you don't have another SCG tour event until January 21st.
0: Yeah. It's like one of those things where, you know, if there wasn't a GP, there was at least an open that you could, you know, turn on on your Twitch stream and watch. But it's kind of sad to see that SCG is not doing as well as we might think they are and that the opens might just be a thing of the past at some point.
1: I really hope not because it's a great way for competitive play, you know, to actually get some competitive play out there. But it's a big change, something to be aware of. Um I know some players were a little less than happy about it, but you know we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, it's definitely kind of sad, and I know a lot of people. I've already seen some angry comments where, because every time something happens that reduces the number of legacy tournaments, there's a bunch of legacy players that will go, "Hey, you're trying to kill legacy. Stop, please." But um,
1: the the sad thing is, is that really it's hard to you know hold these legacy events because the carpool's dwindling still.
0: Yeah. I mean, we don't need to get into the whole legacy argument.
1: Legacy uh, that, is not dead. <laughs> it's just getting harder and harder to find competitive events for it.
0: Yes, that is definitely the case. Um, and as for the West Coast series, I think TCG Player does occasional tournaments out in that area. I don't remember. Eh,
1: they they but, have some stuff like that, but it's nothing like as comprehensive as the SG Tour.
0: No, yeah. like There is there, nobody uh, other than Wizards of the Coast who is running as organized a multi-state tournament as SEG does.
1: Yeah. So. so here's, here's the hoping here for the best and that it's able to continue onward in some way, shape, form because it's a nice thing to have.
0: Exactly. So, let's go ahead and jump into our main topic where we're going to talk about like I said, building a commander deck because sitting down and deciding I'm going to build a commander deck can be very daunting, especially for people who have ne- maybe you have never done it before, maybe you haven't played the format a lot, maybe you're just sitting down and going, well, How, like, what should I be planning for? What should I be prepared for? And so just here are the basics of building a commander deck. It is a 100-card singleton deck. You get one commander or two if you're running partners, and 99 other cards, or 98 if you have partners, that that constitute your deck. Every card in the deck must, must match the color identity of your commander, and that counts the mana symbols and the mana costs and the rules texts. And that's why Alesha is a red card with a black-white hybrid symbol. That's why she's Mardu and not mono-red or red-white or red-black. Yeah. Um, it is ideally meant to be played with three or more other players. Um, you And everybody starts at 40 life.
1: There, Yeah, there are... We say meant to be played with three three more players. There are some... Well, I meant like heads-
0: three-player three pods, four-player pods, and so on.
1: Well, yeah, I meant like... But there are some heads up commander formats that are out there but we're going to be specifically focusing on kind of play mechanics regarding hey you're going to sit down with three other buddies and have a four-person table of playing some commander
0: yeah because heads up commander while it can be interesting there is already french or dual commander that you can look to um i have played my commander decks heads up um but turn one soul ring is really good um so but i mean if you're
1: if you're playing one-on-one in singleton might as well just play canadian highlander at that point
0: that would be my that would be my, my recommendation. Yeah. But in Commander, there you can basically build whatever you want. If there is an idea for a deck that you have that you have enough single cards to build, you can go for it. Um, for example, I would not recommend a Gremlin Tribal deck as of yet because we just don't have enough Gremlins.
1: Yeah. So like one of the one of the things you really need to focus on when you're looking at this is it's 100 cards. It's not like you're building a standard or a modern or a Legacy deck where it's like, okay, uh, I'm gonna go build like. I'll just use Infect, for example. I'm just going to go build Infect, and I need four of these, four of these, three of these, two of these, four of these, four of these. It's, no, I need one card, and just pick a 90, 99 cards. Because you're going to pick your commander based around like what you want your deck to do.
0: Exactly. Um, there are two main camps for how you build commander decks. One of the camps, which is the one that I personally disagree with, but I understand why people do, is where you pick the commander for their colors. So for example, if you wanted to build a Jund deck, you could pick Shattergang Brothers because they are Jund, or you could try to build a Synergy deck that involves the Commander as part of the strategy. Um, And in this deck deck, in this kind of deck building, we're going to lean more towards the latter, which is how I like to play Commander because you have this card available to you at any point in the game, sure it costs more each time, but why not take advantage of it and. Use your commander to help dictate what cards you're putting into the deck,
1: yeah, because that kind of thing can help build excellent excellent synergy, which when it comes to playing a hundred cards, you might not see your one of in like three or four games. So you want a bunch of other cards that can do something similar in that kind of aspect or, you know have like things that are card tutor cards where you can say like, go search for an enchantment or an artifact, or go search for an instant or something like that. So it essentially gives you an extra copy of that or have a way for card filtering to dig through your deck and get and see as many cards as possible. So you can't rely, be like, okay, my deck is a win con and it's this particular card. And you're like, all right, how do you see it? Well, it's one of, and there's really no way to fetch it up. It's like, so you're literally hoping to go 50, 60 cards down in your deck just by drawing regularly sure there's a
0: reason why demonic tutor is a very popular card in black commander decks
1: yeah any any card that you can use to grab a card that you want at any particular time is very very good
0: yeah so the main strategies that you're going to see when you sit down at the table um, control is pretty prevalent Um, when you need to rely on getting say a two to three card combo you need to be able to last into a late game or try to last as long as you can Uh, By the same vein, combo is also very popular. Um, For example, I have a Esper deck that has the potential to combo off on turn three. It is very convoluted and very complicated, and I don't want to get into it. Um, You can have theme decks. Uh, For example, one of my decks is Voral of the Hull, Clad, plus one, plus one counters. The theme is plus one, plus one counters. Um, You have tribal decks. For example, tribal soldiers is pretty good. Uh, Azami, Lady of Scrolls, tribal wizards is kind of silly. And you can do like tribal elves, tribal goblins all the fun stuff
1: yeah for me like my i basically use the a modified mono white pre-constructed deck from a few years ago that is essentially soldiers and angels and equipment
0: yeah um you can have a ramp deck where you just try to get as much mana as possible to cast big fatty boom booms um (laughs) my mono green titania deck does this because i have cast a turn four ulamog the ceaseless hunger in commander
1: that's disgusting dude
0: yeah, it was uh, turn one exploration land, turn two from beyond playing two lands, turn three to playing another two lands, turn four Ulamog.
1: You're a sick person.
0: I agree. Uh, another strategy that you'll see very often is just token strategies. Uh, black, white tends to be the king of the token decks, but you can also have mono red tokens like Perforos, God of the Forge likes to do. Um, I have a Mardu tokens list. Um, you can do mono white tokens like ian does with soldiers soldiers yeah. tends to work in the same way as tokens does well yeah cuz
1: um, cuz there're a lot of soldier producing tokens
0: yeah and then um, or, another one that comes up sometimes is one that you don't see very often is stacks which is kind of along the line of smokestacks and taxing effects and
1: hateful very yes, hateful
0: where you hate everybody
1: it's like um, nobody get nobody gets to have fun kind of decks yeah.
0: Another strategy is group hug, like the the anti-black deck in the upcoming Commander product is group hug, where you help everybody, you know, get really advanced, really into the late game, and then you just blow them out with something silly.
1: Yeah, those kind of decks are for the person who wants to play a political kind of game, where, you know, while other people might be attacking each other, be like, yo, 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 I helped you draw three cards last turn, whatever. And, like, most... Kind of group hug decks will also have kind of what they call a pillow fort style thing where they'll just basically put stuff, effects that make it harder for your opponents to attack you specifically or disincentivize them from attacking you.
0: Yeah. Now, um, the plan A for our Akiri deck, which by the way, Ian, could you just remind us, what does Akiri do?
1: Oh boy. Well, Somebody that's... wasn't prepared. No, I forgot Akiri. We'll cut this part out. <laughs> so Akiri... Slinger is the red-white legendary creature 0-3 core soldier ally that's just you know two mana really nice it's a first strike vigilance and it has akiri uh lineslinger gets plus one plus oh for each artifact you control and it has partner yeah now we're going, uh, to be igno- this- We're going to be ignoring partner in this case. We're building a red-white deck specifically with one commander, even though we have the potential with her to pair her up with one of the many myriad of 100-plus combos of the other partner commanders.
0: There is a conversation that we could have about whether we want to have Bruce Tarl, who is two red-white, three-three, when he comes to, to play or attacks, so you have a creature double strike and lifelink, whether you want him as the partner or in the 99, there is a conversation you can have there. Um but we're gonna focus on Akiri being the commander. So
1: yes, yeah, so we're gonna be looking with this one specifically at her kind of cranial plating-esque template, or wording of getting plus one plus zero for each artifact you control.
0: Yeah, so the plan A for our deck is what's called Voltron. Um, for those of you who don't know, Voltron is an old 80s anime with a bunch of different robots assembling together to form Voltron to defeat evil uh for see, western
1: see also mighty more from power rangers with the dragon zords
0: that's exactly where i was going thank you for reading my mind ian um gotcha man and why we want to do that is because in commander if you are dealt 21 damage from a single player's commander you're out no. it's just another way for the games to end quicker because milling out 100 cards is rough similarly trying to get through 40 life of four different people is rough so 21 commander damage is our plan A.
1: Now something to note though, with on this point, we mentioned it last week when we were talking about the other commanders. The partner commanders, when you if you do decide to play them, they count as separate commander damage. You have to track it for each partner commander. Yes.
0: Um, so if you wanted to try that route, I would recommend um, maybe having one. If you if your plan is to win with commander damage, pick one to be your commander damage play, or commander, and the other one is going to be your support. that's my advice there now plan a doesn't always work so our plan b is going to be what else does red white like to do it likes to go wide so we're going to see if we can make our plan b be boros go wide tokens
1: yeah so there's a lot of red token generators white token generators and cards that help tokens in both of those styles of deck
0: yeah so we're going to just go ahead and focus first on voltron now Voltron can take many different forms in Commander. For example, Rafik the mini is a very popular uh, Voltron Commander because he can do funny things with auras and equipments. Uh, but we're going to focus specifically on equipments because equipments buff Akiri because they're artifacts, which is fantastic. And in a singleton deck, you need to be able to find your equipments because I guarantee you're not going to draw always draw the ones you need. So we're going to first give a big shout out to cards that help us find our equipments. And we really can't start this list anywhere else but Stoneforge Mystic.
1: Yeah, Stoneforge is the card you go to of, hey, I'm playing a deck that's focused on equipment. You're going to play a Stoneforge. Yes. Now, she is a one-and-a-white, one-two core artificer. That She reads, when, it enters, when she enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an equipment card, reveal it, put it into your hand and then shuffle your library she has an additional text of one in a white cap you may put an equipment card from your hand onto the battlefield this can do some ridiculously stupid things yes turn three batter skull for instance
0: which is good in Legacy it's a little less good in commander but it's still a, great
1: it's a it's a five mana artifact equipment that has living weapon and, which is a weird thing from back in uh, the Nufrexia set, which reads when, it enter- when this equipment enters the battlefield, create a 0 black germ creature token, then attach this to it. So without the equipment, the germ will die, but it basically will become a 4 4 vigilant lifelink black germ creature. Yes. And then On Battle Scroll has other texts,
0: like it equips for 5. You can pay 3 mana to put it into your hand, which is totally text it doesn't need, but.
1: Well, I mean, if you if it's on a creature and the creature's are getting targeted to die, you can just put it back in your hand, put it back on the battlefield the next turn, and have a 4-4. Yes.
0: I'm just saying that it, it, it doesn't need that text, really, but
1: sure. <laughs> it's just stupidly broken and powerful. It is, it is incredibly powerful. But Stoneforge Mystic helps enable cards like that to really show a thing. Like, there are other ones that are really expensive, like Argentum Armor. Like, that's a really high mana cost artifact. If you get your Stoneforge Mystic down, you can just start popping equipment that you draw onto the battlefield for two mana and yeah. and then equip it because a lot of the times its equipment costs are going to be very expensive as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, another card that finds equipment is Steel Shaper's Gift. It is the most efficient card to help you find your equipment because it's a single white mana for a sorcery. Search your library for an equipment card and put it into your hand, then shuffle.
1: Yeah, and then we recently got another one
0: Thank you, Shadows of innistrad
1: Yeah, I call it open the armory, which uh is a one in a white, so it's kinda like Stoneforge Mystic's mana cost is a sorcery. Search your library for an aura or equipment card, reveal it and put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. So you're not getting the creature on a stick and the extra cool little you know incentive that Stoneforge gives you of popping on the battlefield, but it's the same mana cost and it gives you the same exact effect of putting it directly into your hand, which is Primo in this kind of deck.
0: Another great card is Enlightened Tutor, recently reprinted in Eternal Masters. Single white mana for an instant. You can search a library for an enchantment or an artifact and put it on top of your library. Or you shuffle your library, and then you put that card on top. Um, it's just super efficient for what it does. And if you look at the board state and you go, man, I'm definitely going to need a way to get through these tokens. Or I need to figure out a way so that my Kiri can get through next turn. Or it's just like, look, I just need a ramp spell. I just need one of my artifact ramps because we're going to get to those in a moment. Uh, Enlightened Tutor definitely does a ton there. Yeah. And then probably one of the most underrated Equipment Tutors that is one of the my favorite, even though I've never played with the card and I need to, is Stonehewer Giant.
1: Yeah, so what Ian, is that?
0: Stonehewer Giant.
1: Stonehewer? Chiu- Stone yeah.
0: Yeah. It is, I believe, this is from memory, three white white, four four Vigilance. It's a giant soldier?
1: Warrior. Warrior.
0: Warrior. Oh that's right, because Lorwyn was silly. It's from Lorwyn or do- Morning Tide.
1: You're doing good so far. It's it's Morning Tide. It's,
0: it's like one in a white tap, search your library for an equipment, put it on attach it to a creature you control, then shuffle your library.
1: Yeah, we'll put on the battlefield and attach it. Yeah. So yeah. Um <laughs> Stone Hero silly. It's it's a ridiculous. You did a good job though from memory on that one. I mean yeah. you obviously got the creature type goofed up, but that's like the least important text on the card in this case.
0: In this case, yes, that is the least important text. But the fact that it has vigilance and you can attack with it and activate it and put in the equipment on itself—that's kind of silly.
1: It's like, yeah, it's like attack, okay, tap, put it on there. It's still attacking.
0: Yeah, and it's 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 pretty it's pretty silly. Um, the Your Giant is also great just because. It's, even, it's an even better Stoneforge mystic, because Stoneforge just puts it into play for you. Stonehewer just like gets all of your equipment out just like, all right, guys, let's get on out here.
1: Let's do this. Now, Stoneforge is good, though, for efficiency. Stonehewer is hilarious for just insane stuff. Yeah. Because you don't even have to attach it to your Stonehewer. You can attach it to some guy who doesn't get blocked. You can let your opponent yeah. block, then tap it, then attach it, then go, I want this one.
0: Um, other Now, these are cards that don't find equipments, but these are cards that work well with equipments. Uh, one, Leonin Shikari, uh, which I believe is just a 1 one in the white for a 2-2, but lets you equip at instant speed, um, which is silly. Um, then there's Pure Steel Paladin, which is white-white for a 2-2, but uh, I believe it's a human soldier or a human knight. Um, and if you have Metalcraft, all of your equipment's equipped for free.
1: And what's Metalcraft? Metalcraft. Um,
0: Metalcraft is if you control three or more Artifacts, which, spoiler alert, we will definitely have three or more Artifacts.
1: <laughs> In an Artifact-centered deck, I would certainly hope so. Yes. Um, and then
0: we're going to do a special mention for Sigarda's aid from Eldris Moon, which lets all of our equipments have flash and just come into play attached to things. Um, because doing stuff on your opponent's turn, when you have three opponents, is really good.
1: Yeah, because you could basically just... Pass the turn. Let your opponents do something. And if something is like you need an oh crap button, you can just u- utilize your cigar to save.
0: Yeah. Now we are doing an equipment deck. And Ian, can you name some powerful equipments that we haven't already named? Like we've named batter Skull. We've named Argentum Armor. Like, uh, what are some other equipments that we should be looking at that we want to put into this deck?
1: Well, so I mentioned Argentum Armor. It's a six mana artifact equipment that equips for six and gives the creature six plus six plus six. And when it attacks, you destroy target permanent. So, it's pretty good. Um, some other powerful ones: uh, Lightning griefs. which subtly, subtly powerful, subtly very pow- powerful. Yeah, it's it's pretty decent. Um, probably one of the most broken equipment of all time: Umizawa's Jite, which is basically Planeswalker on a equipment. Um, mainly because it has so many different abilities. It's uh, for those of you who haven't played with it. I'm sure you've seen it in some way, shape, or form. But it is from the Betrayers of Kamigawa set is a two-mana artifact equipment. It's legendary, so you can only have one of them, which doesn't really matter in this case. But it equips for two, and it says, whenever equipped creature deals combat damage, put two charge counters on Umazawa's Jite. Now, remember when when we mentioned with Stone Hewers, you could pop it out. Somebody could be, one of your creatures could be unblocked, and you could go, okay, I'm going to tutor up Umazawa's Jite, attach it to that creature, and then... Guarantee yourself the two charge counters. So where those charge Ian, counters real
0: quick. GTA does not say combat damage to players, it just says combat damage.
1: Oh right, yeah. Oh god. It's even
0: better than that.
1: I forgot how broken it was. Oh my god. <laughs>
0: everyone forgets. Yeah, everyone, everyone forgets just, everyone
1: just assumes it's combat damage to a player because that's what you those words usually follow that. Um so anyway, charge counters, you remove one charge counter from Uzan's GTA and you can pick one of these options. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. So it's not really going to help you in that kind of case where it's like deals damage and then you get the counters. Unless you have double strike, then it'll hit for the plus two, plus two on that second one. Um, or target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. You can really wreak some havoc on combat math there. Or you gain two life.
0: Which is pretty solid.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely not bad. But that's one of the more broken ones. Um, another honorable one is good old Sophie. sort of Fire and Ice.
0: Yep, we've got all the swords, and they are all good in commander. Um, oh, we should, al- we should gonna... also
1: mention that we are John has a assembled a list that's assembled but not finished. He'll be putting it down uh, in the notes if you would like to follow along.
0: Yes. Now, if for those of you who decide to follow along off of the show notes, um, you'll notice that there are no swords in the list. Um, that's because I'm going to give my own opinion. This is my opinion, no one else's, about the swords of X and Y. In commander, because yes, they are objectively powerful cards, and if you put, and you would probably want to put them in an Akiri deck regardless, because Sword of Feast and Famine is great against the black decks and everything like that. Um, personally, I do not play the Swords of X and Y in any of my commander decks, and it's not because they're not good enough. They're definitely good enough, and I definitely am playing some suboptimal cards. But I always find that when I play against the Swords, I just feel dejected that there's nothing I can do. That is just I am just going to lose to this card because I cannot interact with that creature in any meaningful way. Now, yes, some people will go, but you need to have, you know, artifact removal to get rid of artifacts, or you need to be able to play removal to get rid of the creatures before they get equipped or anything like that, But and I get that, but I want everyone to have a chance to play when I sit down to play a game of Commander, because it's not always about winning. I mean, yes, you want to win the game. that It's a game. You want to win games. But in Commander, it's more about having fun, in my opinion, than necessarily always winning. So that's why I don't play the Swords of X and Y, but I would not fault you for playing the Swords of X and Y in any of your
1: decks. And this is one thing, like, it's a great thing you brought this up because with your deck choices, build it how you want to build it. Um, There's actually, like, metagames based on your playgroup, even, um, who you're going to be playing against. So you might have an unspoken rule that, you know, you might not want somebody who has these ridiculous You know, sort of fire and ice that can, you know, just deal damage to your friends and draw you cards and make it impossible for them to interact with your creatures because you, like John, you mentioned, you want it to be a sporting game. You want everybody, some people will have those. I'm going to combo my deck can build Like you mentioned, your combo deck can win on turn three. There are some people whose decks will win on turn three. Yeah. Not, not, this is not Canadian
0: Highlander where you want to win as quickly as possible.
1: Oh, no, no, not even that, like, Commander decks that are designed to win turn three. It's like, I will have, I have, so- you have so many, like, tutors and combo pieces that you can, no matter what your opening hand is, you're going to win by turn five. And, like, yeah, some people are like, I'm just going to build, the, like, get, like, 50 freaking tokens out there and just be like, woo, let's do this. All right, I'll t- swing at you for three, swing at you for four, swing at you for three. Let's have some fun, kind of thing like yeah. that. But
0: um, another way to put it is, as one of my friends puts it, that uh, Commander is a beer and brats format. Where you sit down with a beer and a bra and you play with your friends.
1: Yeah, it's it's supposed to be fun time and it, like I said, it, it is based on your your group. Some people will be more competitive, but I know the general idea of it is to just sit down, have some fun, play some magic, do some ridiculous things with your deck. But yeah,
0: now there's a card that I put on the equipment's list in, in the show notes that Ian did not mention, and I want to give a brief shout out to Assault Suit. Yes. Because assault suit is a crazy equipment that was introduced, uh, I believe it was two years ago, or yeah. last. No, it was yeah, it was two years ago. Assault suit is a four mana equipment, or it's an artifact equipment. The equipped creature gets plus two plus two, has haste, can't attack you or a planeswalker you control, and can't be sacrificed. Which is all, which are all weird lines of text. It has equipped cost of three, but here's the kicker. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, you may have that player gain control of equipped creature until end of turn, if you do untap it. So, Assault Suit, basically, you put it on a creature. In this case, we're going to be putting it on a Kiri. So, a Kiri is going to be, at minimum, a 3-5 First Strike Vigilance Haste. And then you're going to give it to each of your opponents to hopefully attack with. Here's the funny thing. It still counts as commander damage.
1: Wait, what?
0: Yes. If you steal someone's commander and hit someone else with it, they will take commander damage.
1: Oh. Oh, so, wow.
0: So with Assault Suit, in a four-player game, you put it on Akiri, and she's probably you're probably going to have more artifacts in play by the time this comes in, or more equipment on Akiri as well, because this is our Voltron plan. And then suddenly, this is, the Akiri is just going to be passed around the table with the Assault Suit, and people are going to hopefully be doming people.
1: And you which is and they why... Can, and they can't attack you.
0: And they can't attack you, and it's also why the creature cannot be sacrificed.
1: Yes, because otherwise you'd be like, alright, Coleman's gonna sacrifice your commander. Uh, yeah. See, I should also make it a side note, I don't play a whole lot of commander, and the commander that I do use for mono, my mono white deck is Nahiri, the mono white one, that can, planeswalker that can be used. So I don't even have to worry about it because I use a planeswalker as my commander. So yeah. I'm not I'm not going to win by commander damage.
0: Spoiler alert, Nahiri the Lithomancer is all is currently in my version of the deck
1: she's good dude
0: she does a lot of very very good things with equipments and tokens and every other thing
1: she's really um, good
0: she is really really good um another great piece or cycle of equipment are the equipments of cauldra from the original Mirrodin block. block uh, sword of cauldra shield of cauldra and helm of cauldra um
1: i heard you like voltron on your voltron
0: so basically, if you have all three, then you can pay one mana and you make a four-four avatar legend named Cauldra that has first strike, trample, haste. It also is indestructible, and um, whenever it gets plus five plus five on top of that, so it's technically a nine-nine. And whenever it deals combat damage, whenever it deals damage to a creature, you exile that creature.
1: Yeah, it's kind Silly. kind of goofy. Now the yep. Shield of Cauldra kind of a uh, should get a little bit mentioned because it's actually the set symbol for dark steel which is the. they sets are from.
0: all the set symbols
1: oh, I didn't the sword of
0: cauldra is the set symbol for mirrored the shield is the symbol for dark steel and the helm is the symbol for fifth dawn
1: oh yeah i didn't even realize that
0: yeah not many people realize that it's all of them huh the shield is the one that's the most obvious well they are technically the symbols for all of them
1: yeah i don't i never really played with them a whole lot. I'm of- should probably look into that, but no, yeah. it's, there are some really goofy stuff that you can do with these kind of artifacts and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Now, my favorite kind of subtle equipment is from, is from Champions of Kamigawa. It is Tenza Godo's Mall, which is a three-mana legendary artifact equipment that equips for one. The equipped creature gets plus one, plus one. As long as it's legendary, it gets an additional plus two, plus two. And as long as it's red, it has trample. Huh. So you put this on, say, a Kiri, and she goes from an 0-3, or a 1-3 if you don't have the Tenza equipped, to a 4-6 with Trample.
1: Mm. And
0: for Strike and Vigilance.
1: Mm. And again,
0: that's not counting any other equipments. Oof. And then also, an- another audible mention for Swiftfoot Boots being a, quote, fixed version of Lightning Greaves. Two mana, one to equip, creature gets Hexproof and Haste. Nice. Now... Uh, other other equipment that we see is conquerors flail which is from the new set which i definitely have in here which is two two mana for the equipment two to equip the equip creature gets plus one plus one for each color among permanents you control which is only going to be plus two plus two in this case but the big thing is that as long as it's attached to a creature your opponents can't cast spells during your turn
1: that's that's gross
0: that's that is very gross moving on so, those are all of the Equipments and all of the Equipment Finders and all the Equipment Cares cards. So, let's get into some of the other cards. Now, Red White does not get to ramp a lot. And Commander is definitely a format that is defined by ramp. It can because be. Because the games are going to take a while, and you're going to want to be able to have access to a ton of mana.
1: Yeah. So, like one of the things that's gotten reprinted and is like the Nut Artifact Ramp, basically and got reprinted in a lot of the more recent commander sets, multiple reprintings, is good old-fashioned Soul Ring.
0: Yeah, one mana, artifact, tap for two colorless mana. You really can't beat that rate.
1: Nope. So you can go turn one, land, Soul Ring, and then if you have, I don't know, some sort of equipment in your hand, or another artifact, or something that just, you know, doesn't care about colorless mana, you can go tap it, play it.
0: I mean, turn one, Soul Ring, Greaves, is a line that scares many a commander player
1: yeah that'd be yeah i mean greaves is what zero cost
0: it's zero to equip too
1: well i mean you can go turn one soul ring greaves prophetic prism go <laughs> uh
0: greaves is two to cast oh, it's two to cast to
1: oh equip. okay okay zero to, yeah. that's right no yeah you put it on the battlefield and then like you just pop it on yeah. a creature
0: other artifact ramp includes Warren power stone, gilded lotus uh boros signet because we are in a two color combination so we can play signets uh, Felwar Stone being another interesting card. It's two mana. It taps for any color your opponents can produce. So it doesn't necessarily always have to make your colors. It's just there to help you get further ahead.
1: Yeah. Um, now, for those who don't know, the, the Signet John mentioned, there are were a set of artifacts that were printed originally in the original Ravnica block. And it's a two mana artifact that you pay one mana and tap the Signet. So basically you pay one mana into the Signet, you tap the Signet, and it produces the color of that signet so in this case it'd be red and white so you pay one colorless into it and you get a red and a white
0: another great artifact card is burnished heart from theros which has also been reprinted several times in commander products just because it's its value is really really subtle it's a three mana two two artifact creature and for three mana and sacrificing burnished heart you can go get two basic lands and put them into play tapped which is Very good in non-green decks, because green decks can ramp way better than Burnish Tart needs to, whereas here, we need the ability to ramp like that.
1: Now, so another thing when you want to talk about ramp is you also want to look at the lands you're playing in your deck. Now, it's kind of a quick aside, especially with this. Um, Usually, you want to start around 40-ish lands in your deck, but if you have a lot of mana accelerants, such as, you know, your Soul Ring and your, like, Power Stone Signets, you can probably go get away with cutting a couple lands. Also depends on your mana curve. If you don't need like eight mana to play your creature, you can probably get away with maybe cutting a shaving a land or two off of that. We can talk well, we'll talk a little bit about how you're gonna look at your mana base towards the end. Because yeah, it is very important, but the rest of your deck is kind of little more important, even though the mana base is it's kind of weird. Mana base is like the most important part of your deck, but it's also not the most intense focus of when you're actually planning your deck out, because you it want. It is a little
0: less important in two color decks because you get your guild gates, you get your gain lands, you get your yeah. bounce lands yeah, we'll, from Ravnica. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about.
1: But, yeah, we'll talk about that. But yeah, you basically look at what you want to have in your deck, and then you can shape your mana base around that.
0: So that's kind of all the Artifact Ramp. Another honorary mention from our EDH Staples, which is a very recent edition, which is a card that I am in love with. It is Oreskos Explorer. It's from the Last Commander product. It's one of the White Fur 2-2. I believe it's a Cat Soldier. Um, but when it comes into play, for each opponent with more lands than you do, you can go grab a planes from your library and put it into your hand, which helps you not necessarily ramp, but make sure you hit your land drops. Better in control decks, but it's still perfectly fine in this style of deck also a body to hold on to all your equipments, because Akiri might die, as we mentioned.
1: Yeah, and one thing to note with Akiri, and especially some of these artifact ramp spells we talked about, like turn one Soul Ring, then you play like a Boros Signet, is pretty big, because the next turn, you can just go tap one, tap it into the Signet, play Akiri, tap Soul Ring, get Lightning Greaves, attach Lightning Greaves to Akiri, and at this point, you're sitting with like what? Three artifacts and Akiri's just swinging on in.
0: Yeah, she's a three-three haste first strike vigilance, shroud.
1: <laughs> it's That's seen, pretty good. Yeah. So remember, even with these mana rocks we talked about, even if they're just sitting there, they're not equipment, but Akiri still likes them.
0: Yeah. So which is makes them doubly doubly good in the style of deck. Now, the next the next category that I have is wrath effects because in Commander, one like. Single target removal is not as good as it would be in a heads-up game, because you're going to have multiple threats. Now, you can put a source of plowshares in this deck, no problem, uh, but being able to deal with multiple people's boards is going to be very powerful. So, you're going to play your Wrath of God in this deck, you're probably also going to play a Blasphemous Act. Uh, Blasphemous Act being a, a 9 and a red, it costs 1 less for each creature in play, and it deals 13 damage to each creature. It's just a very very valuable, very valuable Red Wrath. Um, another great wrath effect is Bonfire of the Damned, um, which is a scourge of standards past. Um, also, one one of the best,
1: ever, also one of the best gifts of all time, magic-wise. Yes.
0: Yes. Um, but the cards that I looked at first, and the cards I thought of immediately when I saw Akiri and I was thinking of this deck, are two cards. Well, technically I guess three. One is Divine Reckoning. Now Divine Reckoning is from the original Innistrad and it is two white white for a sorcery. Each player chooses a creature he or she controls, destroy the rest. So everybody just goes down to one creature and it has flashback for five white white, or yeah, five white white.
1: So for instance, me, I like playing my mono white soldiers deck is very cheap creatures. It's got some equipment in it and has a lot of token generators. So my plan is to just go wide and something like that can set me back, literally, ten plus turns, easily. And here
0: the idea is, of course, you pick you pick a Kiri, and then everything else goes away. Correct. Um, another card that came to mind is Tragic Arrogance, um, which recently rotated out of standard. Uh, it is fantastic in Commander. I just cut it from one of my from one of my other white decks, and I was very sad about it. But it is very very valuable.
1: Yeah, there's something that I basically wouldn't want to put like in my deck. Wraths, but for this one when you're doing a voltron style deck selective wraths like this are just the stone nut yeah
0: you can also just play cataclysm which is the the big boy version of tragic arrogance where everybody chooses an artifact a creature an enchantment and a land and sacks everything else
1: yeah massive board so everybody's reset. left with
0: four permanents
1: yeah it's like i hear you like resetting the game
0: yeah um cataclysm is more of a nuclear option um, it's not one that I would want to necessarily always put into one of these decks, but it is definitely an option available to you when you sit down to build a Voltron-style deck like this.
1: Yeah, I remember, because sometimes you just want to have fun and play a game and just being like, "Haha, reset everything. It's like, oh, man.
0: Also, um, you could play Armageddon and Ravages of War in this deck, which are the three-and-a-white destroy-all-lands. Um, if you do, you will lose all your friends, and everybody will hate you. Yeah. But if, but if you want to win, you can definitely put those in the deck. That's just um, mean. It is very, very rude. Um, next up is we're going to have some Artifact Matters cards. Um, the two that are going to be the most subtle are Ancient Den and Great Furnace, these being the red and the white um, Artifact Lands, because they're just value on value in this deck. Yeah. Now, the other two that I have listed currently on the show notes is mycosynth Lattice and Darksteel Forge. Um, Darksteel Forge is a 9-mana artifact um, that makes all artifacts indestructible. It's very expensive to put into play, and I have Hardcasted before in in Artifact decks because it was necessary. And Micasens' Lattice is a card that not many people actually know what it does, because it does a lot of things. But it effectively does this. It's six mana for an Artifact. Um, All your permanents and everyone's permanents are now Artifacts, in addition to all their other types. Cards that aren't in play, spells and permanents, are now colorless. And you can spend mana as over mana of any color to play your spells. It turns everything into an artifact, which is hilarious.
1: Which works great with a Kiri.
0: <laughs> it does work great with a Kiri, because if you have 20 permanents, a Kiri is a 23.
1: 20 slash 3, yeah.
0: Yes, that, that's <laughs> I, I put the pregnant pause there for that reason. Oh, I know. Um, and then that's not counting you putting the equipments on her, because you're going to have equipments. Um, also, Mycocinthalus with Dark Steel Forge is hilarious. Um, also, add a disc, and you have an infinite board wipe. Um, that will also have you lose friends. I know this from personal experience. Good job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now, some other cards that care about artifacts that fit into our um, that fit into our subtheme of maybe go wide. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is Jor the Prevailer, who is also in. That commander deck, so you, you don't have to go very far to find him. He has three red-white for a 5-4 legendary human warrior from New Phyrexia. He has First Strike, and if you have Metalcraft, all your creatures, all of them, get plus 3, plus 0, as long as you have three more artifacts.
1: He's good.
0: He's very good. So on his own with Metalcraft, he is an 8-4 First Strike, <laughs> if you have Metalcraft.
1: Just Bar- silly. That's vomiting value, my friends. Just straight yes. value vomit.
0: Yeah. Another card that works also very, very well is Kemba Ka Regent, who was reprinted in the 2014 deck. And Ian, I believe you can tell us more about Kemba.
1: Uh, yeah, Kemba actually came got a reprint in my Mono White Commander uh, deck as well. Uh, she was one of the alternate commanders that you get from this, but she is a one white, white, two four legendary creature cat cleric. So I mentioned she was an alternate commander because you know you use that, but it says at the beginning of your upkeep, put a 2-2 white cat creature token onto the battlefield for each equipment attached to Kemba Ka Regent. So, kind of alternatively to saddling up um, a Kiri, you know, if your opponent's going to be looking to maybe try and pick a Kiri off, you can just put a bunch of stuff on Kemba and each turn, you're just going to just have a lot of cats just going at everybody.
0: They're going to call you the crazy cat person. Yeah.
1: So another yeah. another thing that helps go wide, and it's kind of it's a um, an artifact or it's an enchantment from, uh, Gatecrash, Assemble the Legion.
0: Oh yes, Assemble the Legion. This
1: is amazing. Oh. If you want, let me tell you what. If you want go wide as your alternate win strategy in this red white deck, this is the card you want because it is a three, red and a white enchantment. A little, a little late gamey, but at the beginning of your upkeep, put a muster counter on Assemble the Legion. Then put a 1-1 red and white soldier creature token with haste onto the battlefield for each muster counter on Assemble the Legion. This card will get out of hand ridiculously quick.
0: Oh yeah, like Assemble the Legion, I've played it in Commander. I have it in my Mardu tokens deck. It is just silly.
1: Yeah, so you're looking at the first... So you play it, you have to wait until it comes back around the board, and then you get a 1-1 soldier. Then the next turn you yep. get two soldiers, then three soldiers, then four soldiers, and five soldiers. And at this point, if they haven't wiped your board, the great part about Assembled Legion is that you can keep getting these muster counters and then just go and wrath the board, wait for it to come back around to your turn, and then you get like eight creatures right that turn that you can just start bashing with. Free. Haste Remind you. So it's a hilarious way to just reset the board and then go, I got a bunch of dudes again. Nobody's got defenses yeah. up. Other
0: cards that combo well with um, with Assemble the Legion are Impact Tremors from dragons of Stark here. One of the red, Enchantment. Whenever a creature comes into play under your control, deal one to each opponent. Um, as well as Purphoros, God of the Forge. Because of his text, whenever a creature comes into play under your control, shock or deal two to each opponent. Now that's actually just pretty funny. That's
1: actually kind of an important thing that I wanted to kind of touch on briefly is the words in Commander, each opponent you'll you like john mentioned single target removal stinks there are things you will say target opponent in this one there are a lot of cards um where each opponent is like the key phrasing and you look at it and you're like that's going to be good in commander because that has that kind of keywording that affects everybody around you so like for instance zada's commando was a creature that you would had um the ally ability but it would you have to tap that another another ally or was an ally it has cohorts. cohort right my bad cohort looks for allies so you tap that, and it would deal one. It would ping target opponent. Okay, it's going to deal one damage. But then you have a card like Thermo Alchemist, which just came out, that when you tap it, it deals one damage to each opponent. So yeah. you want to look when you're building your deck and you're prioritizing building things the each opponent keywording as opposed to target.
0: Yes, um, one of the big offenders there is Gray Merchant of Asphodel, Gary. Ah, <laughs> um, Gary, because he's a little little silly in in multiplayer. Um,
1: oh, other he says, finishers... He says each opponent, doesn't he? He does. Oh. And
0: also, you gain life equal to life lost. So if you have... If you just play him, and you have three other opponents, they lose two, and you gain six.
1: That's nasty. It is nasty.
0: Now, um, some other finishers, uh, Mirror Battlesphere is a classic in Artifact decks. The- He's a seven-mana, four-seven, Mirror Construct. He's an artifact creature. When he comes into play, you get four, one-one, colorless Mirror. And then when it attacks, you can tap any... You can tap X, Untapped Mirror to give it plus X plus O and deal X to the defending player.
1: Good old battle ball.
0: Yep. Uh, another one that is being reprinted as well in, in these decks, which is a great reprint, by the way, is Hellkite Tyrant, which is a mythic from Gate Crash. It's four red red for a 6-5 flample, flying trample. Uh, when it deals combat damage to a player, you gain control of all artifacts that player controls. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have 20 or more artifacts, you win the game. Oh, wow. <laughs> Um, so he's almost always guaranteed to hit someone, you take all their artifacts, and everybody's running, like, Soul Ring, Power Stone, Signets, or whatever, so you just take all their good artifact ramp, and then, like, if you just land, like, a Mycosynth Lattice, you just win the game on the spot, almost.
1: Jeez, I didn't even think of that darn Microsynth Lattice, man.
0: Yeah, Microsynth Lattice is a lot of work in this style of deck. Um, now, some staples. What are some of the cards that you're building a commander deck, and you're building a red-white commander deck that you just want to put into your deck? Psalm Simulacrum is also great because it helps ramps you, it helps get further into your deck. He's just a very, very solid dude. Also, Artifact buffs the Kiri, which is great. Um, Chaos Warp, two and a red, instant. Um, you choose a permanent, and in- you choose target permanent that its owner shovels it into its library, then reveals the top card of their library. If it's a permanent, they put it into play. It's a great way for red decks, especially mono red decks, but even so in, in a red white deck, to deal with problem permanents that you just can't deal with any other way. Uh, Return to Dust, two-white-white white instant um, exile target enchantment or artifact, and if you cast it during your main phase, you can exile an additional target artifact or enchantment. Just very, very good value card in this style of deck just to get rid of problems like a ghostly prison or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, Champion's Helm, three mana for an artifact. It's an equipment, and it gives the creature plus two, plus two, and if it's legendary, the creature has hexproof which is very good in Commander Strategies.
1: Yeah, and it just got an awesome, gorgeous reprint in the uh, Kaladesh uh, Inventions. Kaladesh
0: Inventions, yes. Yes, it did. Um, Skull Clamp is also always great in equipment decks. It's also great in tokens decks because you can clamp your tokens to to draw more cards. It's one mana equipment, equips for one. Creature gets plus one, minus one. And whenever the equipped creature dies, you draw two cards. That's pretty valuable. Works great
1: with Assemble the Legion because you're just going to keep getting them anyway. Exactly. Pay one mana. Uh, Luminarch- guarantee. Pay one mana. Get two cards. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh,
0: Luminarch Ascension is another card that you don't hear a lot about outside of Commander. It's one in the white for an enchantment. Um, at the beginning of each opponent's end step, if you took no damage, put a count, put a quest counter on Luminarch Ascension. Then, if you have four or more quest counters on it, you can pay one in the white to put a four-four flying angel into play. Ooh. Which can get out of hand in Commander if you play it in like in a you play it on turn two in a three-player game. If nobody hits you in that turn cycle, it's already got three counters on it. That's crazy. Yeah, it is a silly, 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 silly thing to do and to play. Um, now, I don't know if there are any other cards you want to get to before I talk about the Kaladesh cards that I wanted to open your eyes to to put into this deck.
1: No, I don't really have anything else for this. Um, like I said, just talk about some Kaladesh cards here.
0: So one, Angel of Invention. Um, Angel of Invention being the three white white two one Angel at Mythic with Flying, Vigilance, and life link. It has Fabricate two, and other creatures get plus one, plus one. If you choose to make the Servos, well, you added two more artifacts to buff your Akiri. Akiri's already getting another plus one, plus one off of the Angel, which is great. Um, Angel of Invention is a pretty solid value card just, to, just straight up put into the deck. It's just very, very good. Um, the card that Inspired me to add Divine Reckoning is Cataclysmic Gear Hulk because five mana artifact creature four five that when it comes into play you Cataclysm is very good especially if you just keep the Gear Hulk and Akiri it still means that Akiri is going to get through because it's an artifact that does the thing that you care about. Um, Another one is that I'm putting in this deck only because I think it's cute is Master Trinketeer uh, because Mobilization which is an enchantment that for four mana you can make soldiers works really well with Akiri when you're making Artifact Creatures. Yeah. Which does silly things. Um, and then the la- another card that I wanted to look at was if you were if you were interested in going the Artifact route for more like Artifact Tokens, like you want to put more Servo Tokens or Mirror Tokens, uh, Chief of the Foundry is great because it's colorless, it buffs all your Artifact Creatures, and it also counts for Akiri. Um, and then Foundry Inspector... Are three mana, three, two, that all your artifacts cost one less. Um, also, you know, if you're able to cast, you know, free skull clamps or free soul rings or, you know, cheaper other, other artifacts, you can just do some silly, silly things and make people very, very, very unhappy.
1: Oh, yeah. It's like any time you can get cost reduction, it's cost reduction is good no matter what kind of, you know, what kind of format you're playing. Yeah, so.
0: it's just it's a lot of fun.
1: So one thing I mentioned uh, earlier, and we kind of get to now, is your mana base. Now, when you're looking... Like, we mentioned two-color two, mana, two, uh, two color mana bases are fine, but we also kind of... We're like looking at like how you want to build. If you want to build any other kind of, you know, uh, deck based... Three-color, four-color with these new commander decks. Five-color, if you should be so crazy enough to use Progenitus or Child of Alara or any of the other crazy five-color de- cards that people use as commanders. There, car- there are some... They, a website called ManaBaseCrafter.com. Very unoriginal name, but you can pick your like you can browse by your colors and pick like for instance, two. I can pick Boros commanders here, so I click both colors on the main page, and it gives me every single eligible commander in those colors. Um, remember, Archangel Avicen counts as both.
0: <laughs> yes, double-faced cards count as both sides. So, yeah. So for so instance, don't I don't put Avacyn,
1: Yeah. Of, I just wanted to put Iroas God of victory and like just pick that. And it'll give me 400 matches for red and white lands. And it's everything from dual lands to the shock lands to the check lands, which are uh, from Innistrad or other ones where it's like it looks for a mountain or a plains in this case. Um, It it gives you stuff like creatures that produce mana, planeswalkers that produce mana, spells that produce mana. So it's anything you can want to get things and you can winnow it down, look by cost. And it's a really good way. I used it to help craft my mana base for my... uh, Highlander deck which is essentially the same kind of thing because it's a singleton deck so you're gonna you're gonna want to want one of each card um, obviously the the mana base in this really isn't too expensive in terms of individual cards because red white doesn't have a lot of like the most expensive land is the plateau which is the red white dual land and that will run you for a decent copy an actual copy like 50 60 bucks if it's beat up.
0: Yeah, and you don't need you don't need Arid Mesa in this deck. No, so yeah, you don't even. Don't worry about yeah, you Mesa. don't even
1: need Fetch lands in this deck. Um, there. Speaking of Fetch lands, though, there are I guess you can go value options for Fetch lands like the ones from uh, Mirage. There's yeah, stuff the like Mirage tap fetches. Yeah, so the Mirage like slow fetches basically enter the battlefield tapped, and then it'll untap on your next upkeep, and then you can do the tap sacrifice, but you don't have to pay a life like our typical fetch lands do you just instead of paying one life you just have to wait an extra turn for it so in something like commander it's actually a very decent budget option because you're not like you don't necessarily need to you know dump stuff out on the board quickly you're not trying to beat your opponents as quickly as possible you have those times to you know take an extra turn or two to uh you know grab your lands and stuff like that yeah so
0: and i mean in this in this deck by the way, I'm thinking we're running 36 lands. Yeah. Maybe maybe 35. So um,
1: I want to actually mention another website. So we're, we're talking about this, and John picked out a carry because he wanted to build it. But say you want to go in and you want to build a different deck, and you just want to just see the myriad of commanders out there. Say you have a legendary creature that you absolutely love, and like, I want to build a deck around this. What do I even need to put in here? What kind of cards? Because you're not going to know like the craziest little card that might be in some set like Tempest that would actually be really good in your deck. Um, It's called EDH Rack. So it's uh, basically EDH Recommendations. And they have a massive database of monocolor, two-color, three-color, four-color, tribal lookups. You can enter in card name and look up it as a commander or a card in your deck or view an average deck for this. So I pulled up Akiri, for instance, and I'm viewing her as the commander. And, John, you're right. 36 lands, the average Akiri deck is showing in their database. So it's showing 24 artifacts, 18 creatures, 10 instants, 6 sorceries, 3 enchantments, and 1 planeswalker, basically, as the breakdown of this. They have 22 decks in their database. People can, you know, submit their deck and it'll add it to the database. It pulls from other websites and stuff like that. So there's some cool w- websites out there to check on if you want to build something yourself. Like John just built this off of his own, you know, knowledge of the format, because he plays a lot of EDH, I don't. So for me, this is a great great site to be like, I want to build something like this. I also looked at this site when I was building my uh, Highlander Deck 2. It's not kind of, you know, it's kind of weird for that, but it gives you some idea as to what kind of cards are out there in your color combination that you might not be used to or might find a hidden gem or something like that. Like, for instance, I would have never known about a Dispeller's Capsule, which, you know, destroy target artifact or enchantments. A one an artifact, which is great, so you can put it on the board, blow it up. It's, you know, it's it's a really cool site, and check it out if, that, if you're looking to build an EDH deck and don't have an idea. You know where you want to start with a creature, but don't know how to build your entire deck.
0: Yeah. And also, like, if you have any questions, you can reach out to uh, people on Twitter. Like, if you have questions about Commander, you can reach out to me on Twitter. We do the we do the whole, you know, handles at the end of the show. But, it for real, if you have any questions about Commander, or any questions about like, should I put card X or Y in the deck, or whatever, just hit me up and I can give you some advice. It will be heavily dependent on what your playgroup likes to play with, because I can certainly tell you that more competitive playgroups will be a little bit less forgiving when it comes to things like, oh, yeah, totally play Miranth Lattice in your non-competitive deck. Yeah, and we w- or in your competitive deck cuz that's that'll go over well.
1: Yeah, and we would be absolutely remiss to not mention some amazing podcasts out there if you know you want to start looking into EDH more of playing like the Command Zone. Yeah. The guys there like if you're looking to go hardcore into I just want to start learning EDH and this sounds great. This is a, this sets a great place to start. It's going to give you a lot of cool cards to work with. But go check out the on These guys are there, they're great too. Josh and, yeah. Josh and Jimmy. Jimmy and, Jimmy and Josh are just awesome guys.
0: Yeah, they are fantastic. Um I could not recommend them highly enough. So Yeah,
1: so as far as EDH decks go, like, I mean this is this looks like a pretty fun little deck if you like artifacts and, you know, like John said, it gives you that option of you know if you want to build that giant big old Voltron of just let's put like a couple of equipments on this guy and swing for like thirty, or you can go wide. You have the option to go wide in this deck too.
0: Yeah, um, I prefer I like Boros a lot. Um, I know that there are people who will say Boros is the worst color combination commander, and you're probably right. But I think people woefully underestimate the power that a red white planes a red white uh, commander deck can have. Um, I have a Calumny deck as well, and Calumny likes to beat face. And she has definitely killed many a table when people were just like, oh, he's playing red-white, nobody should care. And then it's like, oh, by the way, here's a uh, a 13-13 double strike hitting you.
1: Cool? Okay. Nice. (laughs) So I would say it's make the deck how you want to, and I would say go build a deck, and then when you have something... Then reach out to other people, or if you're stuck, if you're like stuck at you know, like 85 cards or whatever, that you need like the last 15, just reach out to the community and be like, Hey, this is what I've got so far. What am I missing? And there's bound to be people who will be jumping and chomping at the bit to be like, Hey, why don't you try this card? So,
0: yeah, Commander's a lot of fun. Uh, it does heavily depend on your play group. Make sure you know what your play group does and does not like. For example, most play groups don't like Armageddon's, most play groups like i don't like swords um some people are just like look we want to kill we want to win as quickly as possible if you're okay with that then that's the place for you to be yeah in any case i think that just about does it for us though yeah i think it does all right so uh this weekend i believe is gp dallas uh
1: yes it is yeah modern it's gonna be
0: modern it's gonna be sweet I might be watching that. Um, I may be going to a PPTQ on Saturday. We'll find out.
1: I actually, this weekend, um, streaming for a lot of it is a fellow Magic streamer, uh, Cam, or at Illion TV. He's doing his yearly pickle challenge to raise money for medicines. Doctors Doctors Without Borders. Yeah, Medicine Sans Frontiers. Uh,
0: Yes, Doctors Without Borders, sending doctors to places where there are sick children. Yep.
1: Uh, He's raising money doing, I think, I know the NTA girls were on earlier – or at least Megan was on earlier from NTA Yeah, they, they,
0: they were both on earlier today. Um, he finished up his first day streaming a few hours ago. Um, he's streaming today. He's streaming Thursday. Um, he's also – then he's going to be streaming for as long as people will want him to starting on Friday. And uh, Ian and I are both scheduled to go on. So if you want to see us on on cam stream, which is at TV, I or I'll put a link in the show notes below – um, donate for Doctors Without Borders
1: Yeah Because will, it's a good cause And I will be uh, on on Saturday At 6pm Pacific Through basically 8pm Pacific So a two hour time block And I know John you're on Sunday
0: I am on Sunday late I will update the times as needed Because I do not remember the times off the top of my head
1: <laughs> Yeah So and, <laughs> I am on late needless to say And also for those of you who made it this far in the podcast Please please do hit us up uh, We are looking to do a mailbag episode Next week, uh, we're going to be firing off a lot of tweets, asking yes. for your questions. So please help us out. Send us some already without us having to beg. But we'll beg anyway. Please. <laughs> Anyways, Ian, where can people find you? So you can you can ping me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. Or you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix. Might stream? I don't know. But I'll definitely be on Camp stream this weekend. Um, but yeah, just ping us, ping me, and then ping John on his uh, social media here. In a, he'll give you in a second uh, with questions you might have regarding anything magic-related that you might want to ask us. Or even other than that, doesn't really matter. So John, what about you? Where can they find you? You guys
0: can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. I'm also on Twitch by the same handle, but again, I, have, I don't have a streaming setup. So streaming is not happening as of yet. Uh, If you guys want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so at Eyes on the Mize on Twitter. Or if you want to have a more personal question, you can send us an email at eyesonthemize at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please give us your feedback. Please give us your cues. And we'll talk to you all next time.